0: Hello listeners, and welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. I'm Dr. Kim Ozano, and together with a selection of co-hosts from around the world, we discuss the ways in which people and communities connect with research and science. We hear from patients and survivors, health workers, policymakers, scientists, and implementing research organizations about the methods and approaches that they apply to co-produce knowledge to address current global health challenges. Thank you for listening and on to this week's episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast, or welcome for the first time. Thanks for joining us. This month's series is all about improving the quality of antenatal and postnatal care in Nigeria, Kenya, and Tanzania. And today we are going to Kenya to hear more about the work they are doing there. So Kenya attained lower middle income status in 2014, And while the good news is that poverty rates declined, the absolute number of poor people did increase, and the majority of those are women. So the focus to improve services for women is more crucial than ever before. Despite progress in health policy and service delivery infrastructure, Kenya's maternal mortality ratio remains high at 342 per 100,000 live births, and recent analysis shows wide disparities in maternal and neonatal health indicators across and within the counties, with access to skilled birth attendants during childbirth ranging from a low 22% to a high 93%, so some real variation across the country there. So today's episode, we will be talking about in-service capacity strengthening on antenatal care and postnatal care and quality improvement methodologies in 61 health facilities across three target counties. The project, which is supported by Global Fund, will provide technical assistance and generate evidence to inform decision-making and policy-making in support of maternal and neonatal health quality of care. Our guests today are Amina Baraka, who is a nursing officer in charge of vehiga County Referral Hospital and Fatuma Iman, who is the Reproductive Health Coordinator at Garissa County. Amina and Fatima will be talking about improving the quality of ANC and PNC, antenatal care and postnatal care in Kenya. And they will be having a particular emphasis on their own county experiences of quality improvement. Thank you very much for listening. And let's introduce our co-host. Hi, Lucy, how are you today? Hello, Kim.
1: Good afternoon from Nairobi. Good day to all our listeners across the globe, wherever you're listening uh, to us from. My name is Lucy Nyaga. I am the country director, Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine in Kenya. I have a background in medical anthropology and public health with some extensive experience there, nearly 20 years uh, working in programming. And uh, most of this uh, time that I've worked on programming, I've worked on aspects of maternal and newborn health. And so I'm really happy to be here, to be speaking with our guests. And I hope that our listeners will be happy and enjoy listening to us and our experiences from Kenya. Thank you, Kim.
0: Wonderful. Thanks very much. So let's meet our guest. Fatima, how are you today? Uh, tell us a bit about yourself, your background and where you are. I am Fatima Imam. I come from the
2: northern region of Kenya, which is called uh, Northern Path, Garissa County. I am a nurse by profession. I have a basic degree in nursing and a Bachelor of Science in Community Health and Development. I have worked with the Ministry of Health for the past 35 years. Uh, Previously, I've been coordinating maternal newborn health, reproductive health in the entire Northern Kenya, which was three counties, Wajia, Mandera, Garissa. Garissa County is among the 15 counties with high burden with the high burden of maternal mortality in in Kenya. It is the one, uh, it's among the counties which has made Kenya not to the, our indicators are all the time low. And this is because of, we have a porous border with Somalia and Ethiopia. We have high insecurity levels and 80% of our community are nomadic pastoralists. This is where now we want to reach our mothers who are in the rural area, at least to have Quality Maternal and Newborn Care Services. I have been working 35 years with the ministry. Uh, Around 20 years, I've been coordinating maternal newborn health. And the last two years, with with this global fund of LSTM, I've been involved in the antenatal and postnatal program. I'm a mother of two, and I have a grandson of one and a half years old. My firstborn is a nurse. And my second born is a student medicine in her second year. That's all about me.
0: I think that's a great position to be in within the family, to have so many people interested in health. So thank you for sharing that about yourself and your background. It sounds like you, when planning services, you have to consider lots of different cultures and backgrounds with the, I think you called it a porous border. Is that correct? Yes, we border with
2: Somalia. Mm. And Somalia, I remember from 1991, they never had a a stable government. We host the largest refugee camp in Garissa County, which is called RADAP, I think you have heard. So we have many different populations in the refugee setup which we serve as a county.
0: Thank you very much. And just before we move on, could you tell me within The refugee camps, what are some of the things you have to consider when you're thinking about providing services to that population?
2: Normally, the refugees are under the UNHCR support, but there are three camps normally. One is managed by MSF, another one is managed by Kenya Red Cross, and the other one is managed by uh, IRC. They report to us. We train them when we are training our healthcare workers. We do support supervision, and uh, when we are doing any programs, we normally include them in all our activities. But by and large, it's not the government of Kenya which supports them. They are supported by the UN and uh, those specific implementing agencies. But we have a role in the uh, in the management of maternal and newborn health as they are contributing to our maternal newborn indicator.
0: Thanks very much. Uh, thanks, Fatima. It sounds like you are uh, kind of dealing with lots of different stakeholders and lots of different factors. So I look forward to hearing about that. <laughs> but um, Amina, over to you. Could you tell us a bit about yourself, where you are, and a little bit of your background, please?
3: Thank you, Akim. My name is Amina Nyango Baraka, a nurse midwife working in Vihiga County, a hospital in Vihiga County. I'm a principal nursing officer, and uh, currently I am the nursing director of the hospital. I have been in service for the last 28 years and uh, serving in various capacities as MOH at one time, and then as a service provider, as I began my service, I've also been involved in uh, reproductive health. I've done a diploma in reproductive health apart from my uh, bachelor's degree in nursing, and currently uh, doing master's in midwifery at the Masinde Muliro. And then I have been uh, working in the area
1: of RMNH. I would like to clarify MOH. uh, We normally use it here in Kenya Ministry of Health, and RMNCH is Reproductive Maternal and Newborn Health.
3: For almost a period of uh, 15 to 18 years, I've been a trainer at the Decentralized Training Center, uh, for reproductive health training at Kakamega County Referral Hospital, before I moved back to Vihiga. Uh, in the program I've been a um, I'm a master trainer, I am a mentor, and uh, I am also a supervisor in the facility of the uh, reproductive health services and nursing. As a far as Kenyan's training system is uh, um Designed mostly nurses are also trained in midwifery and therefore I double in both uh, serving the nursing fraternity and also uh, the midwifery fraternity in the hospital. We have been actively engaged in terms of mobilization with the stakeholder forums to source for funding, to support reproductive health services. Also uh, staff progression and or training in terms of uh, ensuring that their skills and knowledge is kept up to date and also uh, development of of uh, standard operating procedures for the facility and also the implementation of the guidelines that are developed at the county and the national level to ensure that we adhere to the standards Mm -hmm. and the expectation of who as well Uh, basically i'm a mother of three two daughters and one son uh, none of them has given me a mujuku or a grandchild for that matter. I have a firstborn who is an engineer, a girl. She's based at the, the audit uh, in Nairobi. I have a son who is a lawyer, 28 years old. And my lastborn is a form four, at the boy-girls, Eldoret.
0: Thank you very much. It sounds like you have a very multidisciplinary household Um <laughs> so that's uh, also very useful. Could you tell us a little bit more about the Stakeholder Forum? In Kenya, we have quite a number of interrelated, intersectoral groups
3: that work together to attain a, a certain uh, achievement. So we have quite a number of stakeholders who come together. We put up our agenda together together. Sometimes we bring all our resources together and then we define the direction that we want to take as a county and eventually as a country in terms of improving our indicators uh, at the end of the day.
0: So it's kind of a coordination forum to bring all interested parties in health together for decision making. It sounds like you have a lot of experience in delivering training and supervision and mentorship, which is wonderful and quite new to our Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. Are the communities you work with and the the patients and the mothers and the children involved in kind of helping to develop that training or helping to develop services?
3: Yes, we do involve the community. In the community, we have the community strategy and in the community strategy, we select people who are from those communities whom we give the basic trainings on simple matters, primary matters are concerning health. And uh, they also act as a bridge between us. They bring us the information from the community, what the community are going through, what are some of the things they're experiencing that are related to health. We therefore go down and investigate if they bring us issues. And then we also give them feedback on how we plan to respond to their issues. Uh, we also do exit interviews to our clients at certain points so that they tell us what is the field, how do they perceive the services that we do offer to them. Uh, we also have in those forums, we also I- invite uh, people, uh, the community-owned resource persons, the people they think can assist them in making decisions. So in those forums, they are able to share with us what are some of the difficulties they have in terms of health service delivery, and we are able to uh, come up with the plans and uh, implement whatever strategy that can assist them in terms of alleviating their problems.
0: And just in terms of where you're situated, what is the population like there? In
3: Viga County, we have a population of about 600,000 people with a population density of about 1,200 per square kilometer. That means it is a very densely populated environment. And the latest uh, health indicator survey shows that we have a maternal mortality of about 49 women per 100,000 births. Most of our maternal mortalities are within the postpartum period, but we are still not able to reach these women in the critical time, the four weeks, the six weeks, and moving forward. Uh, You find because of the population density, uh, the issues of health problems still remain a very big challenge to this county.
0: So it sounds like we have two very different contexts here. Where you are, Amina, it sounds very urban um, with many different challenges, and and Fatima, you you have the border issues there as well. So just uh, quickly before we move on, Fatima, Is there any other considerations you have to think about when trying to get the views of the communities you work with so that they can inform service delivery or be involved in research? Uh, Thank you very much. In our county, what we use, basically, the community
2: strategy, we have village health committees and village health worker, community health workers and village health workers, VHCs. Then on top of that, in our county, we use religious leaders because most of the mothers, sometimes they believe more when the religious leader says the importance of delivering in a hospital. They take more from the religious sector than us. However, in every hand household, we have a community health extension worker. They create demand for these mothers to attend antenatal care, skilled delivery, and postnatal care. However, still our numbers are low because majority of the mothers are in the rural area because they have animals they look for pasture and water and more so our land is dry land we don't have rain all the time we are in a drought season most of the year so majority of our communities are in the hard to reach area we normally do an integrated outreach services whereby you do immunization antenatal care postnatal care and sometimes we have designed a mobile clinic whereby uh, there were some vehicles where they spend in a, a unit or a village for some weeks. And even some mothers deliver inside those. We have them beyond zero vehicle, which, is, which runs like a mobile clinic. We make at least most of our communities to get services. However, still we are not. At the standard where we can say we can reach everyone in
0: this county. I think that's really important for us to understand moving forward in the episode. I'll hand over to Lucy now to explore the program that you're working on right now to try to improve both quality and reach of services for mother and children. When you
1: look at what we are trying to do, this global funded program, the quality improvement of integrated HIV, TB and malaria services into anti and post care, I think the key focus of this project is the capacity strengthening. So what has the project introduced to address some of those gaps?
3: We are trying to work on the uh, human resource capacity. There, there, there has been a training on the master uh, trainers. And then the mentorship program so that we have mentors in the various facilities where we work that are able to continually update the skills of the other uh, service providers so that even when we get other leaders leaving, the team that is remaining behind already has the, have the skill and knowledge that is required for the continuity and sustainability of the services that are there uh, going on. So there has been a support on the uh, postnatal care and antenatal care uh, mentorship uh, using the participatory approach. The uh, program has been able to support us with uh, the, the humanistic models that we require for that participatory approach, and also supported us in the training itself. Every two weeks, at minimum, sessions of mentorship with the providers in each department to raise the areas of concern that they think we need to uh, talk about
2: again. the project also supports evidence generation to support the scale-up of intervention packages. Everything has come back to the improving of maternal and newborn health is through the mentorship and the skills that we, they practice in their own facilities after training. Thank you. Fatma,
1: just for the sake of Garissa, because of your different contextual landscape being nomadic, facilities being very far apart, how do you see this program and the interventions of mentorship, the equipment that is there? How does it help that mobile population?
2: By the way, this is the way to go because when you have one or two staffs in one of the farthest corner of, of the county, every time you cannot be calling for this guy or this nurse to be coming for a class based training. In Garissa, we have a pool of mentors uh, cross-cutting from the county level and the county referral hospital and the sub-county level. So what we are anticipating is at least we do rotational. We go to them at their facilities, not calling them at the, at the headquarter level, whereby service delivery will be disrupted. So our plan is at least to make a, a, a rotational basis where the mentors can go around in the far-flank facilities and the capacity build, our staffs mentoring them and uh, on-job training, that one will sustain better that, uh, than withdrawing that staff from the facility where he or she's working. do
1: you say there's something different with this program compared to how you've been doing other programming
2: work? Is there anything different uh, in your counties? And the other programs approach were not doing this detailed uh, mentorship supports. But uh, with LSTM and this global fund program, what we have is we have a cross-cutting energy. The goodness with this program of ours is we have a scheduled program, the topics where our healthcare workers, they have their schedule like this week, in that date of that week, in Garissa County referral, uh, we are doing a mentorship on the newborn resuscitation. In another facility, we have a, a mentorship on the use of magnesium sulphate. So this one is a continuous one compared to the other, other partners. What we do with them is maybe after one month or after three months where we, we come a quarterly, then we say, what have we achieved and what we have not. But the goodness with this one is consistent. And where we see there is a facility or a sub-county which is silent all the way from LSTM uh, technical assistant at the Nairobi they tell us, Fatima, what is happening with that facility? Then I, 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 cro- I cross-check with the facility what is happening. So sometimes the, when the workload is, is uh, too much, they might forget the scheduled mentorship which was planned. So I see this one is like uh, we are focused on a daily basis, if I say.
3: Just to add on what Fatima said, the process has given us the opportunity now to drive the agenda forward. It is basically, we are the trainers, we are the mentors. This approach, it is very flexible. We are able to look at ourselves as a county or as a sub-county or as a facility. What are the appropriate times for us? And what is our key need for this time that we want to address in this process of training and mentorship or on-job training for ourselves? So this, to me, will... enhance sustainability and we'll also demystify the thinking that people who go for training they are able they are the people to carry the, the knowledge and the people to implement so all of us we become knowledgeable in various aspects if you are trained through mentorship then you should also be able to train others through mentorship as opposed to the previous school of thought then again uh, the engagement with our county governments again now creates that uh, feeling that they also need to embed this in our budgets so that in case the uh, equipment that was uh, supported by a program or by a partner is worn out, then we need to have in our work plans a system that is able to replenish the same so that we don't stall because a partner has not come in to support
1: us. I think it's really, the program is, uh, from your explanation, is really coming out to, you mentioned about interventions of this program. How will these interventions benefit the health service providers, the communities, and also the policy makers? How will those interventions benefit them?
2: Okay, <clears throat> the benefits to the healthcare provider is this healthcare provider now will have Self-esteemed since he or she has been trained, she has been doing mentorship and somebody has been supervising her. This healthcare worker will have confidence in the management of maternal newborn, postnatal and antenatal care and HIV. And in the event he has or he or she has uh, some doubts, they normally consult the other mentors or ourselves. Community also, they will see the mothers have been managed well because if a mother has gone to a health facility and she has complained of headache and some signs of high blood pressure, if this healthcare worker has not been mentored or trained on the signs and, and symptoms and the management of eclampsia, uh, he or she might say the mother has malaria or any other thing, this mother might be mismanaged and goes back home but this is the healthcare worker whom whom have been trained and capacity built on the management of a patient with uh, eclampsia or preeclampsia. He or she will manage. Now we will have a reduced number of maternal complications and in the long run, it will improve maternal quality care and reduce maternal mortality rates at our county level and our health facility level. And now the community will see at least that facility or that county, uh, at least the staffs are, are competent in managing maternal and newborn complications. And in the long run, this now improves the reproductive maternal and uh, newborn indicators in the country.
1: Do you have a challenge you anticipate when implementing this program? At capacity building level for healthcare providers, maybe even at community level, maybe at policy level, are there anticipated challenges?
3: I think for us, the challenge is basically I would look at competing tasks, because uh, which still goes back to the uh, inadequate number of human resource. Sometimes when you want to engage, you find there is so much and the clientele is that big. So sometimes you don't really get enough time to really engage with the mentees you did expect. That can be a challenge. Then I'm just also seeing a scenario where uh, the turnover might affect the management as well. And sometimes, depending on the uh, area of interest, then the management that is brought in is not really in support and issues like the political environment again. Uh, you know, some of these posting and staff changes are also politically instigated. So those can also be a a problem in terms of ensuring sustainability for for the program. Uh, Where the equipments that we use are worn out, again, that can probably also, because uh, the participatory approach requires some of the few equipments that we use for demonstration before we go to the actual patients. But I think all in all, uh, with the proper engagement and continuous support supervision for the mentorship as well, and the uh, management engagement, we should be able to uh, continue.
1: Fatma for those uh, mm-hmm. aspects. Um. Uh. It just came to my mind in terms of the challenges that you're mentioning: staff turnover, you know, the issues of overload. This program is covering just a fraction of the facilities. Is there a, a, a possibility that through, you know, technical working groups, facilities that are not directly being supported can utilize the staff to mentor other facilities? We have that provision.
3: And that's why uh, in the mentorship, we have the county coordinators are also part of us. And then when they are part of us, they are able to identify the facilities that really need the support of the mentors and uh, organize with the sub-county coordinators and then pick a, a mentor for those facilities. So that is already inbuilt and it is uh, possible uh, and it is actually doable and it's uh we have start actually in veiga uh, that is part of uh an area that we are exploring and we have started working on it
1: thank you very much i think i would want to stop there i'll give it back to kim to the next face over to you kim
0: thank you very much lucy so we've heard a lot about the training that's being done and the mentorship and how the program is going which is wonderful From your extended experience, a lot of people listening to this podcast are researchers and want to know how they can work with communities better. Whether that community is the nursing population or human resources for health, what advice would you give them?
2: First of all, to use the entry points to the county level and uh, get the county management uh, involvement. Don't just go to the facilities without the county agreement. Have an agreement with the county. So the advice I give them is first to have the leadership meeting, then give their their area of interest. They can say we want to work in that area or that area. Then before doing anything else, they, they sign an MU. That me as an organization, we are going to do ABCD. Then the county should do a one, two, three. Then maybe the first thing to start with after the signing the memorandum of understanding is to do a baseline assessment to those selected or the facilities that they want to work on and know how that facility is performing. After getting the go ahead from the county level. At the county level, we have the person in charge of the community health units, community health strategy. Then we cascade down to the community level, explain to them that in the community strategy, we have open days, we are called community dialogue days. We can call for the community, like in a meeting outside, it can be in a school, under tree or even in the health facility, that we are this organization, We want to support the implementation of quality of improvement in antenatal care and HIV program uh, so that you also know the demand of the community direct from their mouths. Now, this one will be the partners and the Ministry of Health together. We can meet the community and get the words from their own mouth. We have common
0: understanding and deliberations. So just building on that, any piece of, pieces of advice when you're speaking with communities that can really help to understand their experience?
3: Communication, you need to really understand one thing which is key is their academic and uh, educational background is also very important because a language barrier can be a very big problem. And uh, if you want to reach them and you are not able to address them in a language that they are able to understand, it can be an impediment in that direction. Sometimes, like as medics, we may end up talking things that are only understood by ourselves. So we must be able to break our, uh, the issues into simple local people's understanding. Culture is another issue. Uh, If you are the culture, you are coming from a background that uh, maybe consider certain words uh, as very normal. You go to another community, we have several, several dialects. Uh, Vihiga is predominantly Luya, but in Vihiga alone, we are having about four dialects. So, and one dialect may have a word that means an obscenity in another uh, dialect. So you really need to understand the language and also the cultural connotation. There are those groups that would even want uh, to carry like their placenta back home and bury. So there, there, there are quite a number of cultural issues that we need to understand as we come to to engage with them. You go to other communities, they don't really expect women to, to address certain issues with men. So those are things that we may need to also consider as uh, we want to engage with them. And and uh, more importantly, the male involvement in this community is very key because they are the holders of the economy of the family. So again, uh, if you don't engage the man eh, most of the times and more so the, the mothers-in-law also have a say, then sometimes if you address the, the women who are still in reproductive age alone, then you are not able to really get to the problem.
0: Thank you very much for that advice. Really important is uh, considering language, education, culture, beliefs and uh, different power dynamics in the families as well. So thank you for that. And that's a wonderful place to end this episode. So thank you very much to our guests for joining us and sharing their wonderful insight and experience. Thank you to Lucy, our co-host, who has been great as always. And uh, finally, thank you to our listeners. Once again, please do like, share, rate and subscribe so we can continue to learn from these valuable insights uh, across the world. Thank you, listeners, and uh, see you next time. Goodbye, everyone. Bye Bye-bye. bye